Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. Welcome to filmandtvreview.com. Catch the latest film, TV and streamed show reviews every week. The views and opinions expressed by the authors and those providing comments are theirs alone. They do not reflect the views, opinions or position of film and tvreview.com or their respective parent companies or affiliates. Film and tvreview.com makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information in this program and is for entertainment purposes only. Episodes may contain adult humor and language. For full terms and conditions see filmandtvreview.com. So hello and welcome to the filmandtvreview.com podcast. I'm James and I'll be hosting today. We have a Zoom room full of people, film fans and TV fans wanted to talk about what they've watched in the last month on the big screen and on streaming and maybe even on live TV if, if anyone remembers what that is. Uh, so Robert, what have you been watching this month? Oh, well, I've been uh, digging back into some old um, uh, quiet crime drama uh, French crime drama and um, it's a series that was around I'd say about five six maybe seven years ago and um, it's a series called In Spiral um, and it's got a great cast it's a little bit like the French Wire so yeah, yeah a bit like the Wire it's like a lot of corrupt or there's corrupt police police officer or one main corrupt police officer and um, and basically a struggling police force trying to do justice and it's kind of like a character you get to get a good character analysis of each person and um, and you also there's some nice um, juicy criminals in it as well um, and it's interesting because it's one of these ones where all these stories are intertwined and you dip in and out of each person's story um there's also a barrister involved so you see the barrister's story as well and and all these like and so you kind of like you follow a crime that's going on and how they're solving it and also how the criminal might be relating to the barrister um in order to try and get themselves a, a decent deal or whatever to to get off a, a, a crime case so yeah that's what i've been in, been watching and i've been finding a, a lot of fun it's just it's quite fast paced and if you're not into subtitles i don't reckon recommend it but if you don't mind 
subtitles. It's very, very good and very intellectually stimulating. Yeah, so that's that's cool. that's what I've been into. The main one, but I've also been watching, yeah, I've also been watching the Black Mirror. I haven't watched all the episodes uh, either. And what was your favourite Black Mirror episode of the new run? Have you got a favourite uh, one? Yes, uh, there's a grisly episode. I won't say anything about it in case it's a spoiler, but um, it's there's a bit of a grisly episode based in Scotland. Where yes, yeah, yes, and it's very. It kind of reminds me of something I may have seen in the early '90s. It's kind of got a, a, a gritty, kind of like yeah, a gritty feel and um, a bit kind of like something you might read in a paper like, like yeah. a thing. <laughs> yeah very very and, and just great acting on all parts it is it's got because it's called lock henry and it's got is it john hannah is that the actor um and when he turns up i kind of thought like he would have a bigger part than he does but i feel like that's that's kind of deliberate like them trying to throw you off the scent of what the plot is because as soon as he turns up i'm thinking oh right now it's going to be all about him and it, it doesn't become all about him um but yeah it's it, there's a scene in it as well that which involves someone watching something on a videotape is is all i'm going to say but but sort of set to some music and i genuinely didn't know how to react if it was meant to be the most horrifying thing i'd ever seen or that sort of like the really dark and funny and I, but I think Charlie Brooker really likes to play around with that to sort of make it. It's a bit like Reservoir Dogs years ago, where you've got the the music in in the torture scene and the music's very upbeat, but what you're seeing is is horrible, and it is very much like that. Um, but I've enjoyed all all of the episodes I've watched so far, even Maisie Day, which a lot of people I've heard some people um, dissing that episode, and it's sort of set in the two thousands because someone's got an iPod Shuffle. And you suddenly realise oh, it must be set back then. And it's a very short episode as well. It's like barely 40 minutes, I think. But I quite I quite liked it. I thought it was quite good. I'm saving the final episode, which is branded as Red Mirror. And apparently it's like the first full-on horror episode that they've done, although they've obviously done a lot of horror over the years. Um, but I'm kind of thinking I might try and leave that for Halloween week. I like to have like a good bunch of stuff to watch over halloween week so i'd see if i can do it but i might i might get to the point where i, I just want to watch that final episode but we'll, we'll see how i i hold out on it um oh, you got any good. other ones you want to share at the moment robert or no that's come back in later? the last thing i watched it was similar to black mirror but i just couldn't stomach it at the time i watched se several of the episodes i loved them but i didn't watch the whole entire thing because i got to a point where i just just didn't really it wasn't connecting with me at that time because it's a little bit grizz like too grizzly. And that was um Guillermo Guillermo de was it Guillermo de Toro or something? Yeah, the that's it. Yeah, that's right. Oh bro. Uh yeah, and his series of horror horror stories. It was I, I quite enjoyed yeah. quite enjoyed them. And I enjoyed particularly there's one about a Nazi kind of uh uh people that summon evil evil kind of spirits or things and that, that one i found really good and there's a couple of little interesting episodes but then i just got to a point where it's like oh i don't really i'm not enjoying this anymore it's becoming a bit it's like a bit sickening Very dark. cabinet yeah. of curiosities i think is the show isn't it and it's on netflix 
yeah, yeah. That, that is on my watch list it would be so is it sort of episodic like black mirror that they're all standalone stories but in a certain style yeah that might be what i need to to go into next but yeah. thank you for the what thank you for the warning that it's uh, it's a little bit heavy um, You're welcome. So that, <laughs> yeah that's that's it mainly i mean that's uh, cool. that's that's what I've been getting into. Well, we'll 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 get around the room and then we can always sort of revisit and come back on things. Jane, hi, welcome to the group. I've not seen you before. You may have been here and I haven't been here, so no, it's you've first met all time. these people for first time. First um, time, yeah. Well, welcome. Uh, what have you been watching this month? I'm terrible because if it's on at Cineworld, I've seen it, but I, then, <laughs> then I forget about what I've seen, so I'm useless. I'm, that's why I was looking up the list trying to remember. Um, I did see Oppenheimer. Um, I saw that in two shifts. I don't like three-hour films, they're a bit long. And uh, Barbie, we're not going to do any spoilers. Um, when you mentioned about John Hanna, it reminded me, um, I love Wes Anderson, um, so Asteroid City was very, very good. And I went to a, a little talk about Wes Anderson the other day, um, and that because I don't really know that much about filmmaking, but it's just really interesting just saying about his style and everything. So I've been going back, watching... Um, I think it was The French Dispatch I'd not seen before, so I watched that on Prime. Um, but in, uh, she said how in like, Grand Budapest Hotel, it starts with a big thing about Bill Murray. He's getting ready, he's trying to catch a train, he runs along, but he doesn't catch it. And it's not even about him, it's about um, the actor with him that um, actually does jump on the train. It's just like you said with John Hanna, is he, is he going to be a main thing? And he isn't. So it was like, I suppose it's quite similar with that. I just, um, Big fan of Wes Anderson at the moment. He's always got these sort of big um, ensemble casts, isn't he? Where it's sort of like, although I think in um, Asteroid City, arguably the the sort of lead character, I've forgotten the name of the actor, but they, he sort of paired with Scarlett Johansson for a lot of the time. I found that kind of storyline the most compelling. Um, I really like Grand Budapest Hotel. I, I, I need to fill in, I've got a lot of blanks. Um, to fill in on Wes Anderson, actually. And I think a lot of his films are on Disney Disney Plus at the moment. I was going to say, when I watched The French Dispatch, um, I wasn't like a massive, I kind of like, sort of admired it, but it, it just didn't, I wanted to like it more than I did. But Asteroid City, I really kind of liked. I was baffled for a lot of the, the runtime, but it really made me kind of think, about, well, th this must be about something. And I think sometimes maybe a criticism of Wes Anderson that he's, his films are a bit more style over substance and here that the substance is maybe in a way sort of minimal or there's a dismissive element i don't want to sort of explain what i think the film's about but i think it is about something and i thought it was quite quite effective um yeah i i, I quite enjoyed it i thought it was quite fun that's um, interesting I, you saying that sorry because i didn't actually enjoy the french dispatch as much but i watched it at home and i thought is that because i just i love being in the cinema and i enjoy films so much more in the cinema than at home. So I just wondered if it might be that. And I, just I agree briefly, with that, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that this um, the person talking about was, was saying, if you want to, you can look up his Amex advert on um, YouTube. And that actually shows him just doing this one shot that he does and just how amazing he is and makes it look really easy, everything going on in the background. Yeah. I think... Um... I think through COVID, I really tried to convince myself that it didn't matter watching films at home, but there is something about seeing something on the big screen and not being able to be distracted, and it's it's completely engaging. I certainly felt that um, on Oppenheimer. I think maybe at home I would have got 
sort of distracted or not paid attention. I'm not sure, but it, and and I think with Oppenheimer, I mean, other people probably talk about it. It it looks great. There's great performances and everything, but I thought the sound was really good in a non-obvious way. There's times when they use sound in like a really good way, and I thought this just wouldn't sound right at home. Like the points where the sound like literally rocks the cinema. Um, and then times when it's eerily silent as well that would not happen at home because you'd hear someone like, you know, a dog barking outside or something like that. Um, but yeah, um, we shall we shall move on around the room. Um, Andrew, hello. <clears throat> um, seems like more recently I've seen better quality stuff, both at the cinema um, and also in terms of uh, streaming. Sort of. Uh, I mean, I mean that in general, not necessarily specific ones that maybe people talk about. But um, and then, um, you know, it's not like the best of the whole franchise. But I watched um, the first season of Dead City uh, just ended. Uh, I guess they want to do like all these spinoffs of the Walking Dead franchise. Uh, and it's not like the big franchise that was a decade ago, but they're doing all these spinoffs because the parent show ended and uh, Dead City, I thought it was all right. Um, I guess supposed to do a second season at some point. I don't know everything being very wonky right now. Who knows what's going to happen, but there is supposed to be ideally a second season. And the program is about these characters that we were introduced to on The Walking Dead, uh, Negan and Maggie, and they're going to uh, New York City, during a zombie apocalypse to try and rescue uh, the son of Maggie, of that, of that character. And, you know, how, dealing with that and how it's kind of like an adaptation expansion because, you know, these things are based on uh, graphic novels, Walking Dead, and, and they're now trying to expand to other parts of, um, you know, outside what we see just in the comics of the graphic novels, uh, Dead City, you've seen New York City, uh, a couple of weeks, or uh, maybe like a month, you're going to see uh, the Daryl Dixon program where he's going to be in France and was actually filmed in France. So you're seeing other parts of the world, not just other parts of the US, but other parts of the world. So kind of opens things up. You know, like, you know, oh, what, what happened to the rest of the world? You know, it's not just uh, Atlanta or, you know, these parts of the US. So it's very much like, you know, what, what else is uh, going on? in this apocalyptic world. And another thing I watched, uh, and this was something that just came up in like a streaming feed, as uh, a program that was on, I think a decade ago, called The Secret of Prickly Hall. And it's kind of a gothic-ish horror, ghost thriller. Um, it's, it stars, um, I can't remember the leads all of them, but I know like Maisie Williams was on it. This is when she just started with Game of Thrones. Um, Olivia Cook, uh, David Warner, uh, some other name actors. Um, I can't remember all, but it basically flashes back and forth in time between a family in the then present, ten years ago, who go to a house in the country, and it flashes back to events that happened during World War II, I guess in the home front, with um, children being evacuated to the countryside from like London, big cities. 
So I think the threat, it says it's a supposed story and there's that aspect, but it seems like the threat is a lot of ways more, you know, humans who are living and not just the supernatural. So uh, there are some scares, but um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was all right. I, I did feel that the third episode, it's a three episode, uh, I guess, miniseries. The third episode gets a little bit more formulaic, like a lot of tropes like race against the clock, that type of thing. But I thought it was all right. You know, I would have probably not thought of watching it, not for it just popping up in my feed. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I'm give it a go. And yeah. Uh, and so that's what I've seen. Um, and then I've seen some of the other stuff in streaming, like Strange New World, um, which I thought I've been thinking is pretty good. It's sort of a mix. Like, episodes all between serious and not so serious. So, um, like, if you're into Star Trek or even just uh, you know, watching some of these actors, like, uh, there's a crossover with the uh, animated program, uh, Lower Decks. Those characters appear in live action. It's pretty funny. Uh, so you see like Jack Quaid and uh, Tony Newsom. Like those characters are voice actors on the animated, but you see them in live action. So uh, so yeah, that was pretty uh, that was a pretty good episode. Uh, so other than that, I've actually uh, I haven't seen because I haven't aired yet, but uh, looking forward to uh some of the stuff coming out in the next couple of months there's the daryl dix one i mentioned but also um just gen v which is a spinoff of the boys they've already filmed season four of the boys in case anyone's wondering because i know things are kind of wonky right now season four has already been filmed of the boys i guess it's maybe going to be in post-production and then they'll air it sometime next year after they've aired uh gen v uh, I did watch the Adam Eve special uh, spinoff of Invincible, so it was good. Gives you a little taste uh, while you're waiting for season two of Invincible. Uh, but I, I felt uh, Adam Eve really fleshed out that character. No pun intended. It just was like, yeah, you know, you think about the title character Invincible and, and, and his family, but you know. Adam Eve is like, yeah, she's got her own thing going on. Cool. Thank you, Andrew. And um, what was the name of the spin-off, the Invincible spin-off? Is that on Prime as well, then? Uh, should be, yeah. Well, Mark may be able to fill us in. Um, hello, Mark. You've usually hello, got Jake. some... Hello, Rom. You've, yeah. you've usually got some great uh, streaming choices that uh, you you delve into to find. What, what have you been watching this month? Yeah, well, funnily enough, I haven't seen Adam Eve yet, so that's one that I know I know of it. So, um, yeah, that'll probably be one I'll probably check out. Thanks, um, thanks Andrew, for recommending that. Um, yeah, what have I seen? I've seen all sorts of things. I mean, I've seen Secret Invasion, MCU-wise, uh, springs to mind. Did a little review for Jason for that. Um, yeah, not bad, not bad. It, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think it was, um, I think it started well. I think it had some interesting ideas. I think it took some ideas that exist in the comics and kind of tried to, you know, uh, go with those, but it kind of felt a bit like it didn't really amount to that much or it kind of didn't really overall, it didn't really, you know, had these grandiose ideas of being a spy thriller or doing that kind of thing that the winter, say the winter soldier had done, but the winter soldier did a better job of it in a film than this did in a, in a six part series. So it was kind of a bit, 
um, disappointing. It was not bad. I mean, it was just, it just it was like passable, really. Okay. Do you think it would have worked better as a film, Mark? Because I was surprised when this was announced as a series. I thought mm. this would be the sort of film with Sam Jackson at the front that mm. they'd want to maybe make like a big centerpiece. A big, yeah, film. yeah, you know. yeah. I think so, James. You know, it's it, like it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Normally, we talk about when you see films that are kind of maybe MCU included, but films that might work better as series where they can draw the story out. This might is the opposite. Yeah, this probably is the opposite where it's a, a series that probably would have worked better as a film. I mean, so much of it um, seemed kind of unnecessarily drawn out or, or drawn out for the sake of it being a series. Like, for example, why didn't Nick Fury just give this? Well, spoilers, sorry, I should say spoilers before I say any further. In case anyone's not watched it, I'm just going to say something quickly spoilerish. You know, why didn't Nick Fury just give Gravik the um, the harvest sort of early on and um, Amelia Clark's uh, character to play him in disguise earlier on? That would kind of would have, um, you know, sort of uh, wrapped things up a bit nicer. I think that was quite a nice touch to see the Super Scrolls with all the Avengers powers. I mean, in the comics, they're sort of a mix of, say, X-Men, Avengers, Fantastic Four in terms of their power sets. So it's good to see. It was quite interesting to see them as Guardians of the Galaxy and sort of Avengers having those kind of power sets. But um, I, I like that in particular. Um, yeah, but it was kind of it kind of felt a bit like it, it almost I mean, it, what they weren't making up as they went along, but it almost felt like they were making up, the you know, the parts of the stories they went along like they didn't it kind of felt it felt i guess a bit rushed or a bit kind of um thrown together but it was all right it was decent so that's one thing i watched um mcu wise watched an interesting south korean um film about the well actually about, about football as in um not so the soccer should we say but football um with the women's world cup going at the minute uh, this was uh, it's called dream it's on netflix it's essentially um about a group of homeless guys uh that well excuse me disgraced soccer star or football star um is given the chance of redemption by coaching um a team of homeless uh, football players for a homeless world cup now i didn't know there is there is in real life a homeless world cup that takes place and all the players of all the different teams are homeless people who are you know who play and th this is based on that that's the true true part of the story this is a fictional part based on that so south korea take part with their their team of players and you know it's kind of ra rags to riches type story in that the disgraced um football player kind of finds purpose for himself coaching these players and they find purpose within themselves kind of with a bit of national pride um so yeah it's it's, it's sort of light-hearted it's not bad it's sort of um, yeah entertaining. So that's on Netflix called Dreams, uh, an animated one. I saw it was quite good actually with Riz Ahmed, Nimona, uh, which is in essence a, what it is. It's set in a, a fictitious world, sort of along the lines of like Pixar kind of animations and like. But it's actually much better than those kind of animations. Um, so it's set in a kind of fictional world, a fictional future world, but like say Knights of the Round Table world, should we say, existed in modern times. So. So there's like horse and carriage carts that kind of don't have horses, that kind of engines that, you know, drive around and that kind of thing. And people live in castles as apartments and things like that. And so it's kind of a medieval style world, but modernized. And the story is uh, Riz Ahmed's character um, is a is a knight who's going to be kind of knighted. He an accident occurs. 
he has to go on the run. And Nimona's a character, like a shape-shifting sort of, um, not demon, but kind of creature who he has to, who he sort of teams up with. And it's really good. Yeah, really, really, really entertaining, really fun. Um, so watch that. Um, just been watching, haven't finished it yet, but I'm watching one on Netflix called Paradise, which is a German film. So a bit similar to the film In Time with Justin Timberlake, where the premise of that, in essence, is people can um give years of their life in in sort of uh so in essence people can give years of their life to the government and as a trade-off they'll receive financial gain to do so so um the government you never see it in the film but the government have found a way to extract people years from people's bodies and they can uh yeah they'll get financial incentive to do so the main character is kind of an agent who goes around uh recruiting people so things like let's say gain entrance you know into society if if their say youngest son gives up his year his, his years and obviously the most rich and powerful people take those years and kind of spend money to extend their life their lives uh, and what's interesting in the film is um without kind of going into too much more detail he finds that those that situation affects him personally that's probably the best one or his his family person. That's probably the best way to say it. But yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. It didn't get the best reviews, but I'm quite enjoying it. So it's called Paradise. I think it's better than the reviews are giving it, giving it credit for. Um, and then I guess finally, the only other thing I can think of um, is I'm, there's one I want to watch that looks very good on Amazon Prime called Project Wolf Hunting, which is a South Korean um, sort of sci-fi horror, I guess, but more horror. It's essentially about... Um, a group of really dangerous criminals um, who are being transported by prison ships, so by police officers, like kind of SWAT police officers. So in essence, they're going to transport some prisoners. A terrorist attack happens, um, so or there's an attempt to get some of these prisoners out in that terrorist attack. So they decide the best way to transport them is by a boat. And as that's happening, werewolves attack the boat. So it's kind of a um, dangerous criminals and SWAT police officers versus werewolves. Um, and it looks like a really good, and it's South Korean, looks like a really good kind of very, very particularly violent, particularly gory, but it looks um, looks quite good. So Operation Wolf Hunting is on my list to watch. But that's that's my list, James. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. That was a good, good list. That last one, Operation Wolf Hunt, that's on Prime, did you say? On Prime, yeah. Yeah, Prime. yeah. yeah. That, that does mm. sound interesting. Sounds an mm. interesting watch. Mm. Um, I will just go to Alfonso and Amy first and see if they are there. If they have anything they'd like to talk about, they've seen this month. <laughs> yeah. What have you seen this month, Alfonso? Well, pretty much what uh, everybody has seen, at least in the cinema. I saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which was, well, good enough. I mean, when you have low expectations, I guess it's, it always, with the fourth installment, it, you you kind of lower your expectations, and I also saw the 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 Barbam, Barbenheimer, the Barbie and Oppenheimer, which is like something that is really working because maybe because it's a little bit different. Although of course everybody knows Barbie, but it's Barbie with Mattel letting filmmakers have an original approach. Let's say kind of original, kind of like walking the tightrope of like being not too out there but a little out there so it feels original and it's paying off big time for them 
at the box office. And, and also Oppenheimer it has been, I think, benefited by this, um, both by it, its own intelligent marketing campaign of IMAX and talking about the technological side of the film because the film is quite talky and not action-y at all, <laughs> I would say. But they they emphasize the IMAX. You gotta see it in IMAX, and it's uh, they they made a big explosion for the film, like a real thing, and Nolan and everything, the Nolan lore of films and his special practical special effects, and that, and also the the marketing with the whole Barbenheimer thing has benefited. I think mostly. Well, both, but mostly Oppenheimer, which is has okay. done like half of what Barbie has done so far. I, I'm also watching uh, um, Silo on Apple TV, which is uh, the uh, Rebecca Ferguson-led series, sci-fi. I don't know if anyone else is watching it. I am in the middle of the first season. And it has, it seems like it has a lot of budget and it's very, very much um, only sci-fi. It's a uh, pure sci-fi. Uh, it's yeah, like people who live in a, in a place. I don't know if it's hum- a little bit under the surface of the air because the earth is not, uh, you cannot live on the earth. It's kind of a, a wally situation on the earth, something like that. And there are like rebels inside of Silo that won't seek answers for, because it has ha- a lot of time has passed since the last people who knew something about the outside. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of secrecy. They have been living there for generations. And also some crimes start happening and yeah so it's it's a lot of mystery a little bit lusty uh but but not so much so yeah i am i i am watching that and yeah that's kind of like what i've been watching i think with oppenheimer as well like my the best hour i think is the last hour and i suddenly started to think there's a lot of films now where the last third of the film I feel is the weakest and it didn't used to be like that but maybe this this taps into this thing of ground sort of effects aren't really groundbreaking anymore I can't think of the last time I saw something where I was like wow I've not seen that before on on film you know back in the day Jurassic Park or something you were looking for that the end when you get a really good look at the the monsters and things or the dinosaurs as they are um, it changes but, the, the movie changes uh, uh, genre I would say even in the hmm. last hour it's a court grown drama uh, <laughs> with more twists <laughs> it's uh, uh, it even it's strange also why they, he decided to make it black and white that era and yeah. Yes, I thought that because in Memento it does make sense. It does make sense why it's black and white because that's the that's sort of the start of the story, and then they join up in the middle. But there, 
it's sort of a stylistic choice. It, it wouldn't matter if those scenes were in colour. You would still understand that they were flash forwards from the main timeline. But he he's decided that he's going to do some of it in black and white. The stuff in 1959, I think it is in black and white, whereas the stuff in 1954 is in colour. I, although it is it is a lot of talking, I think there were two sequences that are very well done in terms of just the shots they put together and the, the sound and things. I don't want to sort of ruin them, but I think sort of they're the things that happen about two hours in, and it is good up until then. But there's a there's a sequence two hours in that I think is fantastic, and then there's one shortly after where he's giving a speech. That's all I'll say, and I think that is the best scene in the the film i think for me it, uh, it's really I, well done that i went to the bathroom then i think <laughs> well i yeah, went yeah, to the bathroom I, I saw that i i, I was I, I i had the the bomb thing had passed and I, I i thought like i was and i was like i looked at my watch and said like okay yeah i know how i know this is three hours let's see how how long it is that's that's a shame that you went during what i think is the best bit whereas mission impossible so my my experience of it was i quite liked it it's probably a bit long and i think there's two exceptional action sequences in it um but there is a lot of other people said oh there's a big exposition dump there's a bit big bit where they just explain the plot um and that scene kills all the tension that is the scene that i went to the to the loo in the middle of so i i missed that sequence that everybody else hates because I'd just seen a really good action sequence. I was like, this is a long film. I'm going to go now so I don't miss the next action sequence. So but by is, doing is that, one I, I made it into a better film. Are they in Venice or...? There is, there is a car seat, uh, car chase in the middle. I can't I can't remember where it is. I think it might be Venice or yeah, Florence, is it? I can't remember. But that, that sequence is, is exceptional, I think. And the end uh, sequence with a train... Is is very very well done. And oh I yeah, do... but it was like the car chase in Rome and then the train. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I meant the, I, the exposition. What, which one was it? Because there were like three or four. Oh, the, it, it's immediately after the car chase scene where they're sort of in a black warehouse. Like it, the lights are down and it's dark and all talking about because the plot is basically we need to get this key. That is the plot. But it, yeah. it's all it's all there to just hang the action sequences off. And I do notice yeah. in the fast in fast ten, I'm kind of watching the action sequences, just going, "That's an action sequence." Whereas in Was Mission it? Impossible, I'm not even that invested in Ethan Hunt or Tom Cruise's characters, but I feel like the action is like really dangerous, like someone's going to get hurt. Like I'm really kind of, and I think it's just the way it's storyboarded out and the way it's shot, and the fact no, it doesn't look as CG as as Fast Ten probably as well. Also because Khaled will really makes you feel like she can kill Tom at any point. Yes, yes, there is that as well. Um, Julian, hi. What have you seen this month that you would like to talk us through to recommend or to tell us to stay clear of? Should we go to Don Don for a second, let Julian sort out his audio, and we'll come back to you in a minute. Hi, Don, how are you doing? Hi. You know, I, I, I passed my 40s. I just want to say, I don't watch movies as as frequent as before. Do you feel the same? Um, that I mean, I'm past my forties. I don't think I've ever said that on the the call before. I know everybody's shocked. Everybody can't believe it, but I'm past my forties, and I probably watch more films now than I've ever done in my life. But I probably should do some exercise and stuff at some point. But, You're um, still watching movies. 
I'm still watching movies. I'm trying to be a little bit selective in what I watch. I, I think I did get to a point where I was like, I'm coming to see stuff that I, I don't, I think is going to be bad and it was turning out to be bad. So I'm trying to be a little bit more selective. No, because I've been thinking when I was almost 40, how many, I mean, I've watched so many movies, so many stories. Why, why should I put so much time to watch so many stories? <laughs> and the most of the stories is actually fake. It is. The, the last movie I watched was actually the last Transformers because I'm I'm a Transformers fan since child. I, I like to play with the toys and so on. But but then I have not been watching as much movies as before. And what did you think of the new Transformers film? I've forgotten the subtitle of it now was like some beast uh, rise of the beast or rise something. of the beast yeah no i i um why well, it wasn't that as great as the second one and the third one okay it was a low budget transformers movie <laughs> did you think there was more there was sort of like more emphasis on the human characters in it but i suppose maybe would you say that's not what you go to watch a transformers film for I think I think it was almost the same the, the, the this one and then the compared to the first one Transformers the movie and which is your favorite Transformers film out of the the many and you're allowed to include the animated film from the 80s I would say it's Trans Transformers 3 the dark the dark of the moon or something like this That is yeah that is that one yeah, the third one that actually was the end of the end of the trilogy. It was, we, but, but that, at that time I, I was in my thirty plus. It was it was different, you know. So, which which films did you see in your thirties that you think, wow, they don't make them like that anymore? Ooh, then it's a lot of movies. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, for example. Uh, may, maybe also Titanic, and then which film? Uh, Lord of the Rings. That I mean, the 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 blockbuster productions. I mean, they don't. It's like a lot of technology involved. Yeah, I mean, uh, blockbuster cannot fail. Well, you say that. There's been a few high-profile sort of failures this year, although a lot of them seem to be with sort of these massive budgets that they have, where it's very difficult for them. To recoup the money my theory on this is that a lot of these things were greenlit after avengers endgame which was pre-covid and pre-disney plus um so i believe that the the budget of indiana jones 5 the dial of destiny the budget is something like 350 million which is insane uh, and they probably thought it would make one billion dollars and that's why they they went with it but i think it's it's just cleared 350 million so it's sort of broken even but what was was it a good movie, Indiana Jones Five? My feeling with it on it, and I'm not I'm not massively invested in the Indiana Jones films. I sort of like them, and they're they're always on TV on bank holidays in the UK. Um, I thought all the character stuff was interesting in it. He's an older guy now and things, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's what people are going to see an Indiana Jones film really want. Um, but I thought it, it worked a lot. It was much better than it could have been. I thought um, him and um, I've literally forgotten uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge I think playing his niece I think that worked really well the rapport 
they've got and there's some there's some good action sequences um I, I find the digital de-aging which is at the start of the film odd because it's sort of impressive but also looks rubbish like it whenever they digitally de-age someone you can see they've digitally de-aged them and it kind of throws me out of the film anyway i can't believe that's a real person i'm not invested in them i'm just looking at how they've done that um but it's 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 fine. A lot of people have said it's better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, although I've also heard people saying they've they've reappraised that film. I haven't gone back to it. I can't really remember anything about it. It was 15 years ago. But, um, yeah, it's, I'd say it's worth a watch, Dial of Destiny. It's worth all right, all right. It was worth okay. Because yeah. because uh, Indiana Jones 4 was actually not a very good script. That seems to be the consensus. I think that is still... The, the sort of least popular of of all five films, I would say. Yeah. So fair enough. Um, yeah. Just quickly check, Amy, are you listening in today, or did you want to share anything that you've watched in the last last month or so? I mean, I haven't really got too much to contribute because, like you, I kind of you know slow down during the summer months. But I have oh, just started uh, going through the list of recommendations of classic films that you guys kind of gave me and I started with Roman Holiday which I really liked so Andrew I think it was thank you for that recommendation uh yeah it was a good film and I it actually kept my attention more than a lot of modern films so I guess they did something right back back then mm. is that what the is next on your list of, of classics Amy um I think I'm quite intrigued by perhaps Camelot I think I think it was another Andrew recommendation there but yeah I mean I've got written them down and I'm going to hopefully go through all of them <laughs> I've seen a couple that got recommended like um The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind and things like that like prior to being recommended them yeah we were talking in in um one of the groups about sort of classic films i think empire magazine which is like a big film magazine in the uk for um people overseas um and they did like the like a, a list of a hundred films i think they'd ask their their readers for i think lord of the rings was the the top one for the noughties um shawshank redemption often comes up for the 80 uh, for the 90s um godfather for the 70s and 2001 the space odyssey for the 60s so they're the sort of big ones i don't think there was anything earlier than that or maybe 12 Ang 12 angry men i think comes up for the 50s as well um which i have never i have not watched yet and i actually got it on my birthday for on a blu-ray and it's on my list to watch so i will get around to watching that soon because it's meant to be a bit of a classic um and casablanca would have been the, the top pick for the 40s as well so that's always a good one to check out oh yeah i've checked out that one too as well yeah I went back, Mark mentioned Riz Ahmed. I watched uh, Four Lions on, which is currently on Netflix in the UK. It's sort of a satirical film from uh, 2010. Um, it's Riz Ahmed. It sounds like the least likely subject matter for 
a comedy, but it is very funny. Um, and it's Riz Ahmed's character leading a team of uh, wannabe suicide bombers who are just rubbish. Um, and it, it's it's got a lot of daft humour in it, a lot of slapstick. Um, but it's also got a lot of sort of satirical edge to it. And I think it's got like real like humanity in in the characters and the sort of sad choices that they're making and and there's quite a lot of sort of pathos at the end of the film i think as well but it's i sort of forgot how much i i enjoyed that film i've watched it quite a few times um and that certainly delivers i will say actually i've seen so i've seen two um previews uh that sometimes at cinema that i go to they do like a, an advanced screening um and i got to see joyride which is um a sort of comedy that's coming out shortly. That was very, very funny um, about uh, four female friends on a sort of road trip. It really played well. So nobody knew what the film was going to be in advance. Um, and it was a, a group of all ages. And it, yeah, it really landed. The jokes really landed on it. It was very funny. Um, I did also see um, the Jennifer Lawrence comedy, No Hard Feelings, which a lot of, there seemed to be a lot of, um, people taken against that. And I, I sort of get it because the subject matter sounds like it's maybe not the sort of right thing for a comedy to be addressing. But um, so it's it's basically a rich couple have a 19-year-old son and they feel that he's not come out of his shell. So they put out an advert to hire an older woman to kind of basically date their son, date in inverted commas, and bring him out of himself. As the film goes, it, it's definitely got a lot of laughs in it and it played, again, really well with the audience. And it's really been great to be in cinemas again, hearing people laugh, because there's not been many comedies since COVID, really, that have, that have come out. Um, it's very funny, but I think sort of the point of the film is that the the guy doesn't, this young 19-year-old doesn't really need the supposed help that his parents are pushing onto him. And Jennifer Lawrence's character is maybe the one who has bigger problems in her life. And I think that's that's where it's much more of a, a character piece than it is like a shock comedy. There are moments of sort of shocking comedy, but there's a lot of different types of humour. There's slapstick in there, there's wordplay, there's just silliness. There's a musical part of the film as well, which I won't go into what it is, but it's kind it kind of stops you and you see in Jennifer Lawrence's reaction in that sequence, I think what a good actress she is. Um, and I think it's got a lot more heart than people are giving it credit for. I think people have just seen the synopsis and gone, I'm not watching that because I disagree with that. But I think it's it's a far more thoughtful movie than, than people are giving it credit for. And it's funny. Um, and the other preview that I've got to see this week, although it's out now, is a horror film called Talk To Me. Um, this is an A24 film. It might even be out in the States already, Andrew. I don't know. Um and the trade—it's definitely a film like actually *Joyride* and *No Hard Feelings*, where I don't feel the trailer does it justice. Although maybe it's good they kept some of the the stuff back. Um, but basically, the these kids, sort of, you know, teen kids, find a mummified hand. I can't even remember where they found it, but if you hold it um, and say "talk to me," you kind of get stage one possessed, as it were, and then you say "let me in." And you get fully possessed. So what these kids are doing is they're strapping to, to prevent minimal harm to other people and themselves. They strap themselves to uh, uh, the chair. They're sort of strapped in and belted in. 
Um, but then they're all filming it and putting it on TikTok. And that's what the trailer makes it out to just be. And you think, oh, that's that's the the um the initial premise, and and it certainly is. And then it goes on a little bit further. And I think it's really effective. It's very lean, it's like 90 minutes. Um, and it's got a strong ending as well. Sometimes you have with horrors, they might peter out or they don't, but it's it's got a really good kind of thing where you just get it come and when I started watching it I was like I'm not sure if I think this is going to be middle of the road you know I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to be feeling this um and by the time it finished I was like that was not bad actually it wasn't not saying it's going to be in my top 10 films of the year but it was pretty good pretty decent um so that's called Talk to Me A24 who we're big fans of here most of us so they always do some interesting stuff um so I would recommend that if anyone's uh, likes their horror. Uh, I'm just going to agree with you on that one. That's, um, I saw both yeah. those films. Uh, no hard feelings, like you say. The musical bit was lovely, and I don't yes. really like horrors, but I'm getting into. I just because I run out of things to watch. I saw it yesterday, and um, I didn't know anything about it. I really enjoyed it. I think I liked the fact it's Australian as well. Um, yes, because so many are American, that. aren't they? It's like to yeah. see something a little bit different. Yeah, that was quite good. I, the premise, I think they got it because someone else had been through it and they passed it on. The, um... Yeah, and it's sort of, like the best horrors, it's sort of maybe an allegory for, for other things, trauma and things like that. And it, the, the characters as you go on, it's it's quite quite interesting. I completely forgot it was Australian because there's been a couple of horror films over the years. There was one called Better Watch Out, and it's a really good movie. It's a Christmas-themed movie. It's Australian, but everyone does American accents in it because they were trying to make out it was in America, just for which makes sense for trying to sell sell the movie abroad. Um, but yeah, I really like that. What did you think of No Hard Feelings, Jane? And you don't have to like yes. it just because I said I liked it. No, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I, when I read the premise, I thought this sounds terrible. Um, but as you say, it doesn't <laughs> really go. It doesn't go like that, does it? Um, no, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I can see why. But it's a bit like the. Um, Emma Thompson one when she was using an escort and there was probably a similar thing, but oh yeah, that, it's not um, exactly Leo Grand. Yeah, good luck to you, Leo Grand. Which that's is it, Leo Grande or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, probably based on a play or something. It's not exactly the same, but it's better if you watch the film before you make your comments. If you see, you know, I think. I think, yeah, I think that's almost what the. I don't know if that was designed into it, but it is a bit like that thing and. It's obviously people will say, oh, that's a modern phenomenon now on social media. People read something very briefly and then comment on it. But it's always been the case that like with newspapers, people would often comment on stuff because they read the headline rather than gone into the detail of it. So, um, yeah, I th I just thought it, it it works really, you know, pretty well. The characters are pretty funny in it. And, yeah, I thought it was quite good. Like you say, a lot of laughs in it, definitely. So mm. There is. Um, I will just say before I forget, there is a documentary um, which I saw in cinemas last year. It's really good um, called Nothing Compares, which is about the singer-songwriter Sinead O'Connor, who sadly died this week. Um, even if you're not a, a fan of hers, I think everyone knows the song Nothing Compares to You, which was written by Prince. Um, it was a massive song um, in the 90s. Um, but there's a, a, a really interesting documentary on her that obviously come out before she died. Um, and it's just sort of looking back at her life more than, than her career. And obviously she was someone who was very out, outspoken and she sort of um, famously tore up a picture of the Pope on 
uh, Saturday Night Live to uh, sort of highlight child abuse that was being covered up by the Catholic Church at the time. And, and nobody believed that at the time, and she was pilloried for it. Obviously, now we know that that, that was the case. Um, although I did see someone this week saying she never lost her faith in in God. You know, she was always a believer. That was very much targeted at the people who were covering that up. It was very much targeted at the failures of the institution. It wasn't about the church. But it's, it's so weird in that documentary watching it and everybody's reaction to hearing her say this is going on is, are you worried about your career? And it's kind, of, it's kind of strange in hindsight to go, it's strange that everybody thinks that is the first thing to worry about rather than that. But it, it's sort of, with hindsight, it's quite interesting. She she was um, quite definitely a sort of unique figure. So that's called Nothing Compares, and it's on Sky Arts in the UK tonight. So I would recommend that. I'm really looking, on a completely different subject, I'm really looking forward to, on Monday, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which is getting really good reviews and it looks like it's just going to be very funny very funny definitely taken from the uh spider-verse school of animation but the reviews even people who i know have like peter bradshaw from the guardian has given this three stars that doesn't sound big but so someone like him going i quite enjoyed that is um is quite a thing so i'm kind of looking forward to to watching that this week has anyone got anything they're looking forward to seeing on in the cinema one on streaming? Anything on your watch lists, Robert? Thank you. Yeah, there's. Uh, I was intrigued. I, I saw um, a trailer the other day, and I heard uh, what made. I was actually not paying attention to the TV, and then I heard something familiar. It sounded like a split second of the Exorcist soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Then I looked up. And it was like, oh, hold on, is that was that The Exorcist? And then it did it again, and it's like, oh, that's got to be a sneaky kind of like, yeah, it's a, it's kind of like telling you it's going to be coming coming back sort of thing. And then I followed it through, and I realised, yeah, it's gonna there's going to be a new Exorcist film, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, to that. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do to make it um, uh, shocking and and um, appealing to to the the new generation of. Um, Watchers, and as well, whilst also catering to the old generation. I know there's going to be a, one of the main actress, actresses or actresses uh, uh, from the from the first one, so that's going to appear in it. So that's so I'm just in, interested to see what what they do with that and um, and the general feel of the movie. Yeah, I've been waiting for this trailer for quite a while. So it's called The Exorcist Believer. It's going to be directed by David Gordon Green, who did the new Halloween trilogy for for Blumhouse, um, which certainly the first one was really, really good. And I do think in in its defence, the new trilogy, they're all quite different films. And I will say I didn't like Halloween Kills when I first first watched it, re-watched it before I watched Halloween Ends and sort of appreciated it more in a second watch because I was like, it is deliberately trying to be different. That's that's the whole point. And I think it caught me off guard the first time. I don't think it's completely successful, but they're trying to do something different. Um, the original Exorcist is 50 years old this year. It's still terrifying. It just is. I know maybe new generations would not, not say that. They just laugh, but I still find it terrifying. I think the third one was really good from about 1990. There's like two cuts of it. 
I'm not I'm not sure from the trailer, but I'm 100% going to watch it. There's no way I'm not going to going to watch it. So, and I hope that they're holding some of the stuff back. And the kind of premise seems interesting. It's not just the same thing of in the original, a child is being possessed at home. So this is, starts, and it seems to be two parents, and their children are going missing for days at a time. Yeah, and that sort of seems like an interesting, maybe different way into it. That so I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's gonna gonna at least do something. And on that note, thank you for listening to the Film and TV podcast. Until next time, from all of us here, goodbye. We hope you enjoyed this film and TV episode. Catch the latest film and TV reviews, together with regular episode content from the world of film and TV every week. See you soon. Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today.